We are going to begin today with a, uh, with a video clip. My name is Mary Alexander. I'm 42 years old. I live in Quadruples Ascender. And I've been having endless problems with my back for the past five years. I went to a specialist, Dr. Mike, in Victoria Hospital. And he did an x-ray for me. And he said that I have a degeneration of my spine. The spinal vertebra was moving and they were not close together. So he did an x-ray and he asked me to have an operation, but that was 50-50. He says, sometimes the operation works and sometimes it doesn't. I could have been paralyzed. I couldn't bend, I couldn't move. And I used to be so moody with the kids because I was forever in pain. I used to wake up in the morning with pain, go to bed with pain. And then I went to the prayer service. I heard about it through a friend of mine. She put it on Facebook. And when he prayed, I could feel this hot flush right through my whole body. I felt so much better. And I said, just for peace of mind for myself, to believe that I know that Jesus healed me. I need to go for another x-ray, and which I did. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it when Dr. Pio, he looked at my x-rays and he says, you've got a beautiful spine. And I got a shock because I know that my spine was degenerating. And now he says, you've got a beautiful spine. And the spine, the vertebra is all straight. You can see all the bones perfectly. Took so much of painkillers. But nothing happened. But now I'm, I'm 100%. I'm up at five. I sort the kids out with their lunch. I sweep the yard. I clean. I go to work. I work on a computer and I sit the whole day in front of the computer. The, the pain used to be so much that I used to have a fever, a temperature all the time. But ever since that Friday that I went for prayer, there's no temperature. There's no pain at all. Can bend, I can use heels, which I couldn't use before. You know, there's so much of energy. I can do the things that I couldn't do. I really just want to give God all the praise, the glory, and the honor. It's because of Him and my faith that I'm here. We have been uh, working through a series in uh, the book of John called The Upper Room, and we are looking at the uh, chapters leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. This is when he gathered together in the upper room with his disciples, and he has one last meal with them, uh, just hours before he is arrested and later crucified. And, and because this is his last teaching, uh, his words are very, very powerful and incredible, incredibly meaningful. And so we've been just digesting these words over the last number of weeks and, and just listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And our text today says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Uh, we've been talking about how 
uh, we have this amazing and uh, incredibly close relationship with, with Jesus and with the Father. And later in John chapter 14, he talks about the coming Holy Spirit. Now, we are in Jesus, if you remember our chair, we are in Jesus, and he is in the Father, and Jesus has brought us to the Father, uh, who now we now, because of Jesus, have peace with God. Uh, God is perfect love, and there's, there's no fear in love, and there's this beautiful relationship we have because of what Jesus has done. And, uh, and, and just the whole idea, we talk about the temple and how we are the temple of God, uh, of God. And how God the Father and Jesus, it says in John 14, how they've come and actually made their home within us. The very presence of God is in us. Uh, the God who created this universe, the God who is uh, amazing and nothing is impossible, he, he lives within us. He's not far, he, he lives within us. And so Jesus continues on to say here that because God is in us and because he is in the Father and we are in Jesus and we are, he's in the Father that we should expect uh, supernatural things in our world. I mean, if someone came to you and said, you know, I have the spirit of a great artist in me. And you looked at their paintings and they just kind of sucked and like they were bad. You're like, you know, I don't think you have the spirit of a great artist in you. Or if someone said, you know, I have the spirit of a, of a great rock musician in me. And, and yet when they played guitar, it was just it was bad. I mean, you would like, I don't know if you have a spirit of a great rock musician in you. But we have the spirit of God in us. A God through whole scripture does the impossible and loves incredibly. And if we have the spirit of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling within us as the temple, then there's got to be some things in our life that are beyond the natural. Yeah. Got to be things that are beyond the ordinary, that there should be a supernatural element about us uh, because God lives in us. Yeah. And yet Jesus says the most incredible thing here. He talks about doing the same kind of things that Jesus did. And then he talks about prayer and how our prayers will be answered. Just like as any good father loves to answer requests from his kids, so too does our Heavenly Father love to answer our requests. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But today we're going to focus in on verse 12. So Jesus says this, Very truly, in other words, this is really important and I really, really mean it. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So he begins with this phrase, whoever believes in me, and this is a kind of a common phrase in the book of John, and, uh, and, and we see it throughout, there's, there's other ones, but here's just some. Uh, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so if you believe in Jesus... Uh, you have eternal life. And the idea of belief is not, you know, primarily like an intellectual thing, though it is that. It, it is a heart thing. It, it, believing in Jesus is to trust him. It is to open our hearts up to him. It is to be in a relationship with him. And if you trust Jesus and you've opened yourself up to him, uh, there is this promise that you shall not perish, but you have eternal life. And notice it says have, like this is a present tense thing. It's not you're going to have it one day in the future. That eternal, uh, eternal life actually begins now. Uh, that you have eternal life. You know, there's going to be a moment when you, you die in your physical body, but it's just like going through a door into this whole new world. And I mean, you have eternal life. I mean, you are never going to stop existing. It's just amazing when you think about that. 
that right now as you sit here, you, you have eternal life because you believe in him. In John 6, Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And he's not primarily talking about physical food, but he's talking about there is the satisfaction you find when you are in relationship with Jesus. Uh, God designed this for a relationship with him, and when that's missing, we just look to work, we look to money, we look to, to addiction, we look to all these things trying to find some sort of satisfaction, and it's, and it's found in this uh, walking close with Jesus and with the Father. Or as John 7 says, whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That again, if, if the very presence of God lives in us and he is a God of love and power, then, then, then that flows from us as we love and serve others. Or John 11, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And there's other ones, but, but there's all these passages. Whoever believes in me, that this is going to happen. Whoever believes in me, this is going to happen. And so in our passage is another one. And this one he actually puts a very truly before it. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, so Jesus says that whoever believes in me is going to do the works I've been doing. Now, what are those works? Uh, we can, he did a lot. I mean, he taught people. He loved people. He told people about the Father. Uh, he did all these miracles. And, and, um, and this word, works, is used actually 27 times in the Gospel of John, at least in the Greek. And the majority of the cases, he's speaking about miracles. Majority of the cases, when it talks about the works of God, or the works of the Father, Jesus, he's talking about miracles. That, and so Jesus says, whoever believes in me is going to do the same kind of things as I do. And yeah, we're going to teach, we're going to love, and we're going to tell people about the Father. But this also includes the work of miracles. And we're going to do the same things that Jesus has done. I mean, there's just no way other way around uh, what, it, what it says here. And notice, he says, whoever believes in me. This is not something that is just reserved for pastors or for, you know, super urban spiritual people. I mean, whoever believes in me, Jesus says, will do the same kinds of things that he did. Very truly, I tell you. And so if you are here and you believe in Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus presents this opportunity to, he invites you into this world of, of the supernatural. And just as Jesus served and ministered and, and, and did works, sometimes just teaching, sometimes we're going to teach, sometimes we're just going to love and serve, but there are times when God is going to perform a miracle through you. And so we can look at some of the works throughout Jesus' life, and his most common work is actually the work of healing. By the most common miracle, the most common work of Jesus is healing. And here's just some of the passages of the kinds of things that Jesus did in the Gospel, uh, just, just the Gospel of Matthew. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So Jesus taught about the kingdom, but he also, but he also healed. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. 
Now, Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And again, as we talked about last week, Jesus came to reveal who the Father was, reveal the character of God. And here he is, he looks out on these people, and he sees them sick, and they're, they're not well in the body, and he has compassion. Again, there's, there's no way you can read the Gospels and, and conclude any other thing than God has a heart for healing. Just as if your child was sick and they were not doing well, I mean, you would have a heart to see them well, and, and, and so does our Heavenly Father. And we see Jesus living this out and bringing healing to them. And Matthew 12 says, a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Or Matthew 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, again it says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Or Matthew 15, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And he laid them at his feet, and he healed them. So he says to his disciples, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And this includes bringing healing to people. This includes uh, miracles. This includes the other thing as well. But again, the most common way this word is used is in relationship to miracles. He's talking about miracle. That, that again, because God lives in us, and God the Father, as you see, working through Jesus, is touching people, healing, and blessing people. God is wanting to do the same thing through you and me. So as God the Father healed through Jesus, God the Father wants to heal people through you, to do the same things. But then he adds this, 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 this funky little saying that they will do even greater things than these. I mean, start talking about the miracles of Jesus. I mean, he turned water into wine, and he walked on the water, and he, like, raised people from the dead. It's like, I mean, how can you get any greater than that? Well, there's debate about what Jesus exactly means here. Now, some people mean, think it's greater in terms of uh, that there's lots of us in the church. So we have a greater impact because of numbers. Others people think it's greater because we are administering these miracles under the new covenant. Because the old covenant that Jesus was working under... Now the new covenant, not only do we administer miracles and healing, but we also administer the idea of the forgiveness and this, this relationship with God. So some people think it's greater because it's done under the new covenant. And others still think that that's possible to do even uh, miracles that Jesus didn't do. Uh, but this didn't end. I mean, what Jesus said was true. He said to his disciples, you're going to do the same kinds of things that I have been doing. And all you need to do is, is go to the next book, the book of Acts, and you see that the early followers did the same kinds of things that Jesus did, the same kind of works. They taught and they loved people, but they also performed miracles and healed people. In Acts chapter 5, it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And it kind of seems that maybe Peter's shadow actually healed people, and maybe that's some of the greater works. I don't know, it didn't seem Jesus did that, but uh, who knows? Uh, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by uh, impure spirits, and all of them were healed. In Acts chapter 8, where with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Acts chapter 9, a disciple named Tobiatha, by the time she became sick and died, Peter sent them all out of the room, then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, 
Tobiathan, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. And so we see Jesus raised the dead a few times, and, and here we see the early church doing the same kind of things that Jesus said would happen. In Acts 19, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Maybe, maybe that's a greater work. I, I don't know. And then Acts 28... Uh, talking about this, this guy who was sick in bed. And he was suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. And so when Jesus said to his disciples, Very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the same kind of works I have been doing. And we see that through the book of Acts. And it didn't end in the book of Acts because all we need to do is look into the writings of the early church. And we see the same thing. It just continues on. Uh, Justin Martyr. Uh, Many of our Christian men have healed and do heal. Irenaeus. Others still heal the sick by laying their hands upon them. And they are made whole. Or Tertullian. And the heavens know, and, and heaven knows how many distinguished men, to say nothing of the common people, have been cured either of devils or of their sicknesses. Or origin. We too have seen many persons freed from grievous calamities and from distractions of mind and madness and countless other ills, which could not be cured neither by men nor devils. Or Augustine, even now, miracles are wrought in the name of Christ. And so it, it didn't end, as, as some try to teach with the, uh, the apostles. It kept going on uh, into the early church. And it continues to go on even today. And uh, there are some incredible miracles that God does. So again, whoever believes in me, and if you are a follower of Jesus, it includes you. Jesus says that you will be able to do the works that I have been doing. Now, yes, you have to believe this for this to happen. Because there are people who believe in Jesus and, and have maybe never seen a miracle, have never actually prayed for someone, have never seen them healed. Uh, and, and it may be because they actually just don't believe this. I mean, if you deny God still does miracles, actually you don't believe he still does miracles, you're, you're not going to see it. You remember that town that Jesus went into and it says he could not perform any miracles there because of their unbelief? If you don't believe God heals today, well, you're never going to pray for anybody, and therefore you're never going to see it. If, if, if you don't believe that God can do miracles through you, you're probably not going to see this. But when you understand the miraculous, working, all-powerful, loving, good God lives within you, and he hasn't changed, just as he loved and served and healed people through Jesus, he wants to do the same thing through you, that when you begin to step out and you begin to believe that God actually can do miracles through me, and you start praying that way and praying for others and praying for big things to happen, you begin to see them happen. I mean, it was uh, John Wimber who used to say, he used to say, when we prayed for nobody, we saw nobody healed. When we prayed for lots of people, we saw some healed. This is the same idea. If you never pray for a miracle, you're probably never going to see a miracle. But if you start praying for miracles, you might just start seeing some. And, 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 and unless you doubt what Jesus is saying here, but he says, whoever believes in me will do the 
works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. And of course, that's debating what the greater things are, but let's just put that aside. Let's, let's forget about the greater things. Let's just start doing the same things. <laughs> let's just start there. I mean, you can fight over what the greater things are, and well, I'm doing great. Well, let's just do the same things, because in that, there's a lot. I mean, there's not a single person that came to Jesus that Jesus looked at them and says, actually, I don't want to heal you, you know, sorry, just go away. He healed everybody. And if someone comes to us, and, and they're not well, and you say, you know, just say, hey, can I pray for you? And, and don't worry if, you know, your prayer's not answered. I mean, this doesn't always happen. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're actually honest with yourself, you realize that far more of your prayers, uh, you know, aren't answered that way than are. But, but if you never pray for somebody, you're never going to see that miracle. And so God the Father wants to work through you. And some of these miracles that God does, I mean, we talk about some of the greater, the great miracles of Jesus, uh, you know, like raising the dead. Do you know there's books and books written just filled with stories of that actually happening? Uh, this, this idea of Jesus saying, whoever believes in me can do the same things I am doing. Uh, sometimes those radical things actually happen. And I'm going to show another clip here. It was the morning of September 20th, 2006. Jeff Markin recalls heading for work as usual. What he doesn't remember is driving himself to the hospital. He had called his boss and told him he didn't feel well. His boss was concerned and convinced Jeff to go to the emergency room. Somehow Jeff made it. As he got there, he collapsed. Dr. Chauncey Crandall was doing rounds in the intensive care unit that morning. An alert call came over the PA system uh, that someone had arrived at the hospital with a massive deadly heart attack. And then a second call uh, went out over the PA system and specifically asked for me because I was the cardiologist on that day. When I arrived there, it was like a war zone. It was like being in battle. It was chaos. Everyone there fighting to keep this man alive. The ER staff worked on Jeff for 40 minutes. They shocked him a dozen times. Despite their efforts, there was no response. Once Dr. Crandall decided the team had done everything possible, he called the time of death. While a nurse prepared Jeff's body for the morgue, Dr. Crandall updated the charts. Well, as soon as my note was completed, I walked out through the door to this emergency room. I heard this voice say, turn around and pray for that man. And I wanted to ignore that voice because I said to myself, how can I pray for that man? He's dead. He's gone. There's no life in him. So I kept walking and the voice came back again. And the voice said, turn around and pray for that man. And I stopped and I thought to myself, I need to honor the Lord. So I turned around at the doorway and I walked to the side of the body and the nurse was on the other side of the body and she's looking at me like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I stood there next to that corpse and I opened my mouth and these words came out, Father God, I cry out for this man's soul. If he does not know you as his Lord and Savior, Father, raise him from the dead now, in Jesus' name. I remember staring at bright lights and they were swirling around. Out of those uh, bright lights uh, came an image. And he told me that he was there to look over me, 
and make sure that everything was going to be fine. And the other doctor walked in the room and I pointed to him. I said, shock this man one more time. And he looked at me and said, Dr. Crandall, you can't shock him. He's dead. There's no life in him. He's gone. And I said, for me, shock him one more time. And that doctor, out of respect and honor for me, went over to that body with those defibrillator paddles and put his paddles on that patient and shocked him, shocked Jeff. And immediately an instant heartbeat came back. Instant, perfect, regular, which we'd never seen before. And the nurse screamed, what have you done? And this perfect heartbeat came back. And then suddenly, this abdomen started moving and started breathing. And then a couple moments later, the fingers started twitching. They immediately moved Jeff to the intensive care unit. Three days later, Jeff woke up with no evidence of brain or organ damage. Once I, I woke up, my daughter Jillian was there and that's when she told me what had happened. When I came in Monday morning, Jeff was sitting up in bed. And I said, where, where were you that day that I prayed for you in the emergency room? And he said, Dr. Crandall, I was in total darkness. And I was so disappointed. And I said, Jeff, what were you disappointed about? He said, I was alone for eternity. He asked me at that time if I was willing to accept God. My life meant to my heart. I just opened my arms and accepted God. Uh, it was just a very emotional time. I, you know, I remember you know, crying <laughs> in his arms. Today, Jeff is back at work and gets regular checkups with Dr. Crandall. He still has no heart problems or residual complications from his brush with death. You know what I had gone through and to be so fortunate and uh, that's been part of, I guess, my uh, daily battle is why me? Why have I been <clears throat> so fortunate uh, to have God shine on me? Uh, I guess a second time. This day that I prayed for Jeff was a day of very little faith. It wasn't one of my big God days. And when I walked into that emergency room, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to stay and pray because I was so much in a rush with my work. But I prayed. And I didn't have a lot of faith backing that prayer up that day. But the Lord asked me to do it. So I honored the Lord and prayed. And that's all we need. Just a spark of faith like that mustard seed. Miracles are real. And they're real today. And there just happens to be a lot of other stories like that. But sometimes when it comes to these miracles... Um, we can get a little skeptical uh, at times, especially if, uh, if, if you're like me anyways, because I, I didn't grow up a Christian, and uh, uh, especially just being in this Western world, we tend to uh, be skeptical about the supernatural, skeptical about miracles, and, uh, and it's kind of natural just being born in this area 
in, in the Western world, where other parts of the world are actually more skeptical of the natural, the supernatural. Uh, but I mean, if you're at all skeptical, you need like just like I mean, do miracles actually happen? Does God actually perform miracles? Well, I mean, you're welcome to read a two-volume set. Uh, uh, let me play to Craig Keener. Uh, Craig Keener is actually one of the most well-respected scholars in the world today. Uh, he is uber, uber smart and has written uh, like 24 books. And these books, are some of them are huge. His commentary on the book of Acts is 4,500 pages long, just on one, one book. I mean, a uh, brilliant scholar, uh, but one of his expertise is actually in the area of miracles. And he's traveled all over the world as a scholar uh, and being as smart as he is, just trying to figure out, you know, are these stories are true and are the miracle stories of the New Testament and Jesus, are they credible? And he actually came out with a two-volume set. It's only 1,172 pages long if you want to read it. Uh, on, on miracles. And in case you don't want to read that much, let me just read you a book review done by another theologian, Dr. Sam Storms. And this is what, this is what he says. Dr. Craig Keener, whose PhD is from Duke University, is one of the most highly regarded evangelical New Testament scholars in the world. He is professor of New Testament at Asbury Theological Seminary. He has written what is widely, widely regarded as the definitive treatment of miracles. It is two volumes totaling 1,172 pages. He spends the first 250 pages or so defending the reliability of the miracle accounts in the Bible and responds at length to the uh, philosophical, <laughs> I was like thinking of something else, philosophical and theological arguments that, I was thinking about lunch, you know. <laughs> So the arguments have been used to deny the possibility of the miraculous. But by far and away, the largest portion of these two volumes is devoted to recording and describing miracles of every sort from all around the world during the present church age, with special attention given to the last 150 years or so. He cites documented miracles of healing and deliverance in the Philippines and Thailand and Vietnam and Singapore, Malaysia, Myanmar and Cambodia, dozens and dozens of documented examples from reliable sources are listed. He has several hundred examples from churches in India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Indonesia, South Korea, the Solomon Islands, Samoa, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, New Zealand, and China. The remarkable growth of the church in China is due in large part to the reality of the supernatural as people are confronted with what they simply can't deny, that there is a supernatural God who works answers to the prayer of the people. And I think I've mentioned that before, that one of the reasons uh, Christianity in China, China has skyrocketed, especially uh, outside the city, is that these Chinese missionaries would go into these villages, and uh, in order to get people to listen to them, they would invite all the sick to come forward, and they would pray for them, and many of them would be healed, and all of a sudden, these people are like, what in the world is going on? We want to know what this is about. And they would share, share the Gospels, one of the reasons why uh, Christianity has skyrocketed in China. Then he goes on. The cases he cites involve healings of every imaginable sort. Uh, cancerous tumors, congenital blindness, deafness, paralysis, heart disease, kidney disease, tuberculosis, and diabetes, just to mention a few. On top of this, Keener reports several documented cases of people being raised from the dead. 
he proceeds to devote several chapters and a couple hundred pages to miracle after miracle after miracle in Africa, throughout Latin America, and in the Caribbean. He focuses specifically on the work of Reinhard Bonnke in Nigeria and Heidi Baker in Mozambique, as well as in the Republic of Congo. The accounts he records from virtually every country in South America are stunning, especially in Ecuador and Chile. He also describes dozens of miracles in Cuba. At this point in the book, he turns his attention to miracles throughout the entire course of Christian history, beginning in the area immediately following the age of the apostles. People who have argued that when the apostles died, miracles ceased, simply have not looked at the evidence. Keener has, and he describes them in great detail. He chronicles miracles throughout the Middle Ages and even into the time of the Reformation. He describes countless miracles in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries among a wide variety of Protestant traditions. And his examples are from virtually every Protestant denomination, Baptist, Presbyterian, Nazarene, Methodist, Pentecostal, as well as from virtually every theological tradition. He devotes several hundred pages to documenting a wide variety of healing miracles throughout the 20th and 21st centuries. In one 10-page sequence, he documents with great detail no fewer than 95 stunning miracles of a wide variety and brings it to a conclusion by saying, such accounts represent only a very small sample of the claims. He turns his attention to healings of blindness and documents more than 350 incidents. Incidents? Incidents? There we go. He also focuses on a variety of types of paralysis that were healed and several dozen incidents, instances uh, of resurrections from the dead. And that's only volume one. And you can read the whole second volume if you want. I mean, this idea that the miracles don't happen and God doesn't perform miracles is just like, uh, it's like you're walking around with, with eyes, uh, face, uh, like hands over your eyes. I mean, it's just amazing how many miracles have taken place just within this own church. I mean, if you are here and you've had something that you're like, oh, I can only explain this by God, either you or you know someone, just put up your hand for a second. Yeah, I mean, a God is a God who works miracles. In fact, one of my favorite stories, and I think I've shared this before, is that of Dwayne Miller. I like the story because he was a pastor. He was a pastor of a fairly large church that had two services and an evening service. And uh, before he began the first service, he began to you know, feel like he had a sore throat. And he made it through the first service and barely made it through the second. And by the evening service, he, he couldn't even preach anymore. His voice was, was just filled with, his throat was so uh, painful. And uh, he ended up going to the doctors, and he had contracted some sort of virus that uh, they couldn't figure out, and it, it ruined his voice. He could only speak, and it, it, was just, it was very raspy and barely talk, and he saw over 200 doctors and 63 specialists, and they couldn't figure it out. They, they couldn't help him. And he was so discouraged and depressed, and he couldn't preach anymore because he couldn't really talk. He had, had to quit the ministry. And uh, later he was attending this, this other church, and he was in the Sunday school class, and, and the teacher actually got sick, so they asked him to speak and do the lesson that day. And he was like, you know, people don't want to listen to me because I can barely talk, and they said, well, we'll wire up a microphone so people can hear you. And so they wire up this microphone, and he's teaching through Psalm 103, which is a passage about healing. And as he is speaking through this passage, he is miraculously healed. And the cool thing is, 
they actually uh, were taping the Sunday school class. And so let's listen to what, what happened to Dwayne, Dwayne Miller. So the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. Lots of cool stories. Uh, we also know that there is a mystery to this whole thing. Uh, because all of us probably who have, ha have had experiences of, of praying for someone and they're not healed. Uh, many of you maybe are struggling with health issues that you've had prayer for many, many, many times and, and, and you're not healed. And no doubt Dwayne Miller would have been prayed for probably thousands of times. And then just one day as he's teaching through this psalm, all of a sudden he receives healing. And, and sometimes that happens during worship. Uh, you know, people have been prayed for for years, and, and just one day they're just singing in worship, and, and the healing comes. And I mean, there's a mystery about how exactly this, this works or when it comes about, and, and, there, and there's mystery and and, uh, and actually how uh, sometimes when you're not healed yourself, you can still heal others. I mean, Eric Johnson, Pastor Eric Johnson, for instance, is about 85 to 90 percent deaf in, in both years, but he's been used a number of times to actually heal people's deafness. Yeah, he himself is deaf. I mean, there's mysteries like John Wimber, and I always like this story because uh, John Wimber uh, had one of the most successful healing ministries uh, of this last hundred years, definitely up there, healed thousands of people, and crazy and amazing stories. But, you know, for the first while, every single person he prayed for, not one got healed. You know, he, it came about when he was reading the Gospels, and he was just seeing, like, Jesus healed, and it seems that God has a heart for healing, that I'm to be healed. And he prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people. He spent two hours praying for one guy at one time, and he prayed, and nothing happened. And just when he was ready to give up, 
He went and prayed for this, this woman who was just sick in bed. Again, he had no faith in this prayer because he's like, I guess this doesn't work. I don't know what's wrong. But he prays for this woman, and all of a sudden this woman is completely healed in an instant. And all of a sudden, he became more and more successful as he prayed for people. I mean, there's mystery about this. But even in this mystery, uh, the point is, Jesus says that I want to do miracles through you. And you might be praying for, I don't know, maybe like John, maybe it's going to be a while before you see one, but to just keep praying. Again, he's the one who said, when we prayed for nobody, we saw nobody healed. But when we prayed for lots of people, we saw some healed. And he works these miracles, and, and, and some of them are incredible. So uh, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I have been doing, the same kind of works. And so I would encourage you, uh, just as you're living life, I mean, uh, even if you come across people who aren't followers of Jesus, and you're like, man, I get really sore to say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? It can just be a really quick prayer. And, and don't be afraid if it doesn't get answered, because that's just the reality. Sometimes it's not going to be. But just pray with the heart of Jesus and, and pray for them. Uh, because if you just start doing that, you're going to see more. And I know some of you who pray for people a lot, who uh, have uh, prayed for healing, just to see more healings, because you pray more. And if you're not well in your own body, I would encourage you to go for prayer. Last week, we had two amazing answers to prayer last week. Uh, one person who had a back who was sore for years was healed. And so go for prayer. And if it's not healed, then just go again the next week and just keep coming until, and just listen to the Father and see what he wants to do. Come to the prayer summit. Uh, we pray for people there, and, and God has been doing good, good things.